Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Well, well, well. It is almost the start of a new year. It happens to be New Year's Eve. And rather than being out in the cold and the rain, which here in the San Antonio, Texas area, that's what we're dealing with. I decided to come up to the studio and record another Dinosaur George Kids podcast. So I hope everybody's doing well, and I hope you all are going to have a very safe and very happy 2021. And I can promise you that this year is going to be good. We all got through a tough year, and that just means this year is going to be great. So today's um, today's podcast is kind of fun because I had the opportunity to uh, interview some visitors that came by the studio. If you are a Dinosaur George Patreon Club Tyrannosaurus member, then you have the ability to be interviewed. I actually get to interview you. Now, I can do it over Zoom or I can do it in person. But anyway, as the podcasts continue, I will periodically interview one of our Tyrannosaurus members. So I hope you'll consider joining our our, uh, Patreon club. It helps me do these uh, podcasts and obviously keep them free for everyone. So if you'd like to become a Patreon member, let me give you a little bit of information about it in a second. But uh, first, a couple of shout outs. Now, this past week was really pretty cool because I did four different Zoom lessons, but they were all for either birthday gifts to young people or in the case of a uh, a young friend of mine that lives up in Minnesota, it was just a private lesson. So the Zoom lessons, obviously, we can do them for schools and we can do them for groups, but we can also do them for individuals. And so I got an opportunity to do four private lessons this week, and I enjoyed them because when it's a private lesson, that means they get to ask as many questions as they want, and I enjoyed that a lot. So I had a great time doing that, and uh, I want to thank all four of them. It was Asher, it was Ernest, it was Elizabeth Fernandez's kids, and it was Katie who all had the opportunity to do a private Zoom lesson. So that was really kind of fun, and I enjoyed those a lot. So shout out to all of them, and thank you so much for letting me uh, be a part of your birthday, or in the case of Katie, just give the opportunity to be your teacher for a day. So that was a lot of fun. Okay, uh, I'm going to play you a little bit of information about the Patreon Club, and then we're going to get right into this episode's feature, Creatures. Not Creature, Creatures. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. (laughs) 
It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. So this podcast feature creatures happens to be Indominus Rex and Indoraptor. Now, I know that you all know that those are not real dinosaurs. But I also want you to know that it is perfectly okay if those are your favorites. If you like them, they don't have to be real dinosaurs for you to like them. But I just want you to remember that there's not really a dinosaur named Indominus Rex and there's not one named Indoraptor as far as the science world is concerned. But in the movies, the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World movies, those were two of the main uh, dinosaurs in two of those movies. So I, I want to cover them only because I think they're pretty cool. And I, I, when I talk to a lot of young people and I ask them who their favorite dinosaur was, a lot of times they'll tell me they like Indominus or they like Indoraptor. And I always tell them that's perfectly fine. I think that's a lot of fun. It's fun. Science can be fun. It doesn't all have to be serious stuff. Now, the main thing to remember about both of these dinosaurs is that they were not real dinosaurs. They were made in a laboratory by scientists. So that's why I don't call them real dinosaurs. They didn't actually exist. In the movie, they did. But in the movie, the scientists made them. They were created. So that's why there's nothing like them in the fossil record. Now, with Indominus, um, one of the greatest lines was by Dr. Henry Wu. He was the main scientist that was working in the lab. And his comment was, oh, Indominus wasn't bred. She was designed. She'll be 50 feet long when fully grown. That's bigger than Tyrannosaurus Rex. So those are the words from the movie that Dr. Henry Wu said. So clearly, he made it clear that that dinosaur was designed. It was actually built in a laboratory. Now, what I loved about Indominus is it was such a strange mix of different animals that got to that. And Indominus was was a terrifying animal. It was a very scary dinosaur. It had incredible abilities that a normal dinosaur didn't have. Although, let me say this. There's one part where Indominus is able to change the color pattern on its body, like you would see in, a, a let's say, an octopus or an animal like a chameleon. And that's what made it so interesting for me, is it could literally blend in with its surroundings. I will say that I think it's certainly possible that some dinosaurs may have possessed the ability to change their skin color. And I'm not saying there's any science to support it. I'm simply saying that when we look around at the animal kingdom, that is possible. Do you know humans can actually change the color of their, their face when they're mad or upset or scared? We can actually, the blood from our body actually flows up into our face and it, it alters the color. So if you had the ability to make yourself do that, we wouldn't think it's so amazing if something could change its color because in the animal kingdom that happens when things are frustrated, mad, scared, you can see an actual color change. Now, not dramatic. They can't, they can't instantly become camouflaged, 
but in the movie Indominus could, and I thought that was really kind of cool. So I liked Indominus Rex because it was so big. Uh, it's it's arms if with the the arms were eleven feet long. This is a big dinosaur. But there was one thing that it did bother me about Indominus Rex. It, it bothered me a little bit, and that's the point where it had just gone around and killed everything it saw. It just went around and killed everything. And they said that it was just hunting for sport, hunting for fun. That's not a thing that most animals do. Most predators do not kill for fun. I had a a neighbor one day tell me she was so upset because her cat was playing with this mouse, torturing this mouse. Because it would throw it up in the air and then it would pounce on it and would jump and run back. And I explained that there was no malice in that. That is a herb. That's a carnivore practicing and honing its skills they're not playing with the animal for fun they're doing that as a way to become a better hunter i saw a video once of of uh, orcas killer whales who were using their tail to fling a seal up into the air that they had killed this the seal was dead or close to death and people were so mad saying how could they do that that wasn't for fun that was to practice their hunting skills so I was a little frustrated because it made it seem like Indominus was just running around randomly killing things because it enjoyed it. That's probably not something that would have happened even if the animal was created in a lab. You can't create an animal and give it um, give it new um, habits. It Those kind of things are ingrained in the head. A lion is born to know that it needs to learn how to hunt. A baby lion cub will chase things because it instinctively knows that's what it's supposed to do. So I don't think I don't I didn't like that part where it was just killing everything that that to me just didn't make any sense. And and also, it's not really realistic that a dinosaur could kill that many species of animals and not sustain some devastating life injury. It just couldn't have happened. You can't run around and just kill everything and nothing fights back. So that was the only thing that I didn't like in the movie about Indominus Rex. Now, as for Indoraptor, I thought it was cool because Indoraptor was a cross between Indominus Rex and Velociraptor. Talk about a foolish mistake. You're taking Indoraptor. I mean, you're taking Indominus, which is a terrifyingly monstrous animal, and then you're crossing it with a Velociraptor? Well, Indoraptor's pretty amazing uh, because of its size. It could grow up to 17 feet. That's still big. That's still a very big predator. So I just wanted to make, I wanted to make Indominus Rex and Indoraptor our feature creatures, not because they were real live animals that once existed, but because I want you young people to know it is okay to like things you see in a movie when it comes to dinosaurs. It doesn't have to be all science. And that's why I made those two animals this podcast feature creature. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to let you hear the interview of our little T-Rex member who happened to stop by with her family. And it was really a lot of fun. So I hope that you guys uh, will stick around. (laughs) 
Now you can bring Dinosaur George into your classroom, home, or facility anywhere in the world with our virtual lessons. We offer over 15 different topics, including dinosaurs, prehistoric mammals, rocks and minerals, and more. Any age, any location, and any time zone. Visit us at DinosaurGeorge.com. One of the best parts about being a Tyrannosaurus Rex Patreon member is that if you live in or around the San Antonio area or you're ever passing through, if I can schedule it, you get to come into the studio and I get to interview you. And that's what we're doing today with my friend Bridget, who, by the way, was one of the first members of the Tyrannosaurus Rex Club in the Patreon group. So Bridget is my guest today. She came into the studio today with her mom and her dad and her sister Maggie. And Bridget, now tell me again how old you are, because I'm guessing 50. Eight. You're 58. Okay, good. No, just eight. (laughs) Oh, I thought you said you were 58. Okay, so Bridget is not 58. She's eight years old. Now, since you guys came, did you drive the car or did you let your parents drive on the way over? I let my parents drive. Well, why didn't you drive? You said you're 88. You can get a driver's license when you're 88. She is not 88 years old. Okay, Maggie just insisted that she's not 88, but she said she was 88 years old. I'm eight. Oh, so you were driving a car when you were eight years old? No. Don't you think that's kind of dangerous? No. Do you think it's a good idea for an eight-year-old girl to be driving around San Antonio by herself? What kind of parents do you have, child? I can't believe your mom and dad let an eight-year-old child drive. Well, I guess that ends this one. The police are probably on the way to arrest her because she was driving around town when she was eight years old. No, she wasn't. Well, who was driving then? My parents. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then I feel better about that. Okay. So... Now, you know, when we started this Patreon club, your parents were the first ones, some of the first ones to sign you guys up. And so I'm so glad because I get to see you. We get to do lessons. And since you like dinosaurs, and I know you do, of all the dinosaurs in the entire world, of all the dinosaurs, what is your favorite kind? T-Rex. Why do you like T-Rex so much? Well, because he has, he's really strong, fast, And really tough. Yeah, I agree. And you know what, uh, Bridget? I think he's faster than most people think. Most people look at it and say he's so big, but they don't know how fast he really is. I think he was faster than we think. Not like like raptor fast, but still fast enough, right? Like catch a raptor. Yeah. Do you think raptors would mess around if a T-Rex was around? No. I agree. Yeah, I think, I think. I think they would hide. I think you're right. I think you're right. And it would make sense, right? Because if something like a T-Rex shows up and I'm a little raptor, I'm not going to stick around. Are you guys going to stick around with them? I'm not going to no. try and kill them. Nope. Well, I'm I don't. going to like run away or hide. And that's exactly right. Your, your sister knows what she's talking about. She's going to run away and hide. Um, here's what you do if a well, T-Rex. Well, maybe is going to run and hide maybe. or try and get his mom. Maybe it's kind of like hide and seek. Hey, that's true. Maybe it is like hide and seek. Well, here's the trick. If a T-Rex ever approaches you, trip your dad and run like crazy. That's how you survive a T-Rex attack, right? Yeah. Good job, girls. Well, I'm glad I got you both doing that. So now we know that if a T-Rex attacks, 
Bridget is going to trip her dad and run like crazy. Smart move, kid. You know what you're doing. <laughs> so you like T-Rex. Now, are there any plant eaters that you like? Um, I like Ankylosaurus because he has this really strong tail club that can break a T-Rex's bone. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know what, Bridget? I don't think T-Rex has even messed with Ankylosaurus. Yeah, I don't think he even think he lived with Ankylosaurus. Well, he, I think it would stay away because Ankylosaurus is a very powerful dinosaur, right? Uh-huh. He's low enough to the ground. He has armor on his back all over him. And he has arm, a little bit of armor on his legs, too. Abs- absolutely right. And he has a club tail, which is very hard. You got that right. And that is absolutely brilliant. And that's why I agree with you. I don't think T-Rex has messed around with Ankylosaurus. They saw them, but they probably just went, I'm not going to mess with that thing. But I think they ate baby ankylosaurus. At a girl. Nicely when done. The, the mom or dad was around. And I agree. I think you're right. Now, if mom and dad were around, where do you think the baby ankylosauruses would hide? Could they hide under mom or dad for protection? Yeah. I think they could, right? But what if they were still growing their spikes? And it would hurt mom and dad. Oh, that's a very good question, uh, Maggie. That's a good question. If they had their spikes, could that hurt the tummy of mom or dad? When they got big enough to where they had spikes, I don't think they had to hide anymore. It's sort of like porcupines, right? Uh-huh. Even baby porcupines. Most animals don't even mess with a baby porcupine, right? Because of what could happen. It could grow spikes. You got that right. So I think that the ankylosaurs were absolutely perfectly protected. That's very good. How long ago do you remember that you started liking dinosaurs? From when you were tiny? Before I could talk. That is so cool. So on the day you were born, your first words were dinosaur. No. Oh, well, that sounded good. Before I could talk. Oh, so you would write it down. Dear mom. My name is Bridget, and I want you to know I love dinosaurs. The end. But she doesn't even know how to talk when she's a baby. Yeah, but she could write, right? No, I couldn't. Oh, did you use a computer? Did you get on the keyboard and do it? No. Mom, Dad, check it out. I'm typing to you. Okay, well, I'm so sorry. How did you communicate with your mom? I. No, I. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand. So when you were tiny and you saw your first dinosaur toys, you just knew that's what you liked, right? Mm -hmm. Now, do you have a lot of dinosaur toys? Yeah. I saw them. As a matter of fact, you showed me a toy that I think was so cool, the one that your mom gave to you. Can you tell me about that one? Look, mom is holding it right there. It is a white, looks like an apatosaurus or a brontosaurus. Well, I I say it's a diplodocus. Diplodocus. Can you tell me the story of that? Where did you get that? From my mom. And where did your mom get it? Do you know? No, she didn't tell me. So that was that a gift for your mom and that she passed it on to you? Mm-hmm. What a nice thing. That's so cool. Did you give it a name yet? Christmas dinosaur. Christmas dinosaur. I was thinking Carlos. I uh, named it Christmas dinosaur because it has a Santa hat. I think Carlos because it makes a funnier joke. Carlos the dinosaur? It's a Christmas. My name of- is Christmas Dinosaur, and that is my name forever and ever. Okay, nobody told me it talked. 
I have a talking dinosaur in my studio. That thing just talked. Did you hear it talk, Maggie? I heard it. Uh, I cannot believe you have a dinosaur that talks English. And it's a Christmas dinosaur. And you're right. It's white with a red scarf. Bunch. Okay, so now it's from France. Great. It's a French dinosaur. Almost that. Okay, now it's from Mexico. What kind of dinosaur is this thing? Would somebody please explain what's going on? Okay, I will. This dinosaur has talked three different languages so far to me, and I don't know what's going on with it. Great. Well, I like that. So now, do you have dinosaur books too? Do you have books of dinosaurs? Yes. Do you have so a lot of them? Many. I'm glad. You know what, Bridget? I'm so glad that you have a lot of dinosaur books because some kids get like one dinosaur book that they really like a lot, but that's the only book they read. And and it's okay to do that. But here's the problem. What if that book had a mistake and all you ever read was that one book? That would mean you wouldn't know the right answer, right? So it's always good to, good to get lots of books, right? Uh-huh. About that's, the same thing. Right. Absolutely. It's good. to. I have hundreds and hundreds of dinosaur books because I'm like you. I like to read and I like to learn about dinosaurs. Yeah, I even stay up late at night to read more of my dinosaur books. Nice. Does your mom or dad ever tell you, uh, Bridget, turn off the light and go to sleep? And you're like, okay, but in a few minutes, I'm going to have a flashlight and I'm going to keep reading my dinosaur book. Well, the the elves gave my sister... Something so she didn't have to turn on the light. Oh, nice! Yeah, it has Darth Vader on it. So you have a Darth Darth Vader nightlight to read by? Is that what it is? Yes. Uh-huh. How cool. Wait a minute. Isn't he on the dark side? Isn't he dangerous? <laughs> no! You got Darth Vader in your bedroom? Do your parents know Darth Vader comes to your house at night and reads dinosaur books with you? <laughs> you have the Force. Ooh! Bridget has the Force. Well, that's so cool, though. It, but that helps you read, though, right? Well, I do have the force. <laughs> okay, she just levitated the Spanish, uh, French, English-speaking dinosaur right off of the table. Just in case you all want to know, that noise was her levitating the dinosaur using the force. And now she's bringing it back. And now its eyes are glowing red, and it's attacking me back! All right, so these two are attacking me with the force. How did we go from dinosaurs to the force? What kind of kids are you? What? Oh, don't, don't bring it over to me. That dinosaur's coming across the table. Keep away from me, kid. What am I doing in here with you two? How did you two get past my security? How did your whole family get in this house? <laughs> I'm making the dinosaur go over to you. <laughs> Okay, so if you could see one dinosaur alive today, if you could see one dinosaur alive today, who would you want to see? If you could see one alive. Um, I bet you definitely not like to see T-Rex at all. Yeah, you and me both. I would. Would you like what? to see a T-Rex? Yeah, you can ride really? it. What kind of things do you think? Do you think T-Rexes had feathers or not? I think they have feathers, brightly colored Colored feathers to attract females. Nice. So you believe they had brightly colored feathers. So if you saw a live T-Rex, you think may, they might have, if it was a male, that it may have bright colors. Mm-hmm. And I think the females might have feathers just a little duller. 
Very, that's very good. That's very, very good. Okay, scoot up a little bit closer to the microphone bridge. There you go. Mom's going to help. There you go. Or you want to just push the chair in? Whatever works for you. There you go. Okay, so you brought some questions for me. Is that correct? Yeah, but I dropped the paper. That's okay. You can pick up the paper. Let's go through some of your questions. I never get to, I always answer questions, but I never get to do them live. What is your second favorite dino? Wow, I think it's a tie between Deinonychus and Utah Raptor. I like both of those raptors, so I like Allosaurus the first. I think it's a tie between Deinonychus and Utah Raptor. Okay. How do you get interested in dinos? I was just like you. When I was little, that's what I liked. And as I grew up, I kept learning more about them and reading more. And then when I got to be in my 20s, I got to start digging them up. So I knew ever since I was a kid that I liked dinosaurs, and it's still the same today. Okay. I would like to know more about Diplodocus. Well, Diplodocus is certainly a very long dinosaur. He's a sauropod. And, I know. Right. He's long. He's got that long tail. He can use that whip-like tail. It's probably used for defense. So Diplodocus was amazing. The one question I have about Diplodocus and all of the long-necked sauropods, my question is, how did they get enough to eat in a day when their heads were so small compared to their bodies? They must have eaten all day long, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when they were eating, their feet could sense the ground shake when T-Rex or another dinosaur walk. Oh, very good. So when they were in and dinosaur tried to come from behind, they could whip it with their tail. Very good. And still eat at the same time. I like that very much. That's a very good point. But what if something was coming from in front of them and it was going to bite off its neck? Well, the good thing about Diplodocus is that its neck is so high off the ground, there's uh-huh. not many meat eaters that can even reach it. So yeah, but it can't bite. Here. It can. You're right. It could grab a, a dinosaur could grab it by the throat. But if you come from the front, Diplodocus and other members of that family can see you coming. So that's why they live in a group. So everybody's from looking far away. from far away at a girl. Absolutely. Good job. That's very good. OK. Do you have any other questions? Yeah. What do you know about Acrocanthosaurus? Now, that is an amazing dinosaur. I like Acrocanthosaurus a lot. Now, that's a dinosaur that lived here in Texas. It left its footprints all over. We find lots of Acrocanthosaurus tracks all over Texas. I like it because it seemed to be a dinosaur that liked to live along the shoreline of the ocean. It seemed to sort of like that area more. It has that ridge down its back, which is not like Spinosaurus. It's not as tall as that, but it had a big, tall ridge down its back. It had very sharp, thin teeth. I think it is a very cool dinosaur. And of all the meat eaters, I got to say, Acrocanthosaurus is right up there as far as my, my favorites. Oh, well, Dinosaur George. What, honey? When I went to the beach with my friends into Galveston, uh-huh. I found some di- I found some footprints near the sea. Good girl. That was probably Acrocanthosaurus. If it was a dinosaur, that's where it seemed to like to live, along the shoreline. Wow, there's so many good museums. I like the Museum of Natural History in Houston. That's an excellent one. Uh, You know, there's a great museum in um, Bandera called the Bandera Museum of Natural History. I like it. It's got some cool stuff. 
But I guess in my opinion, the best one I've ever seen ever was uh, in a little place called uh, Thanksgiving Point in Utah. It's called the Museum at Thanksgiving Point. It is absolutely the best museum I've ever seen. Do you know what they have in there, Bridget? They have two T-Rexes fighting over a duckbill dinosaur. I've never seen two full-size T-Rexes going at it, and you can walk right up underneath them. It is the coolest thing in the world. That's my favorite museum, the Museum at Thanksgiving Point in Utah. Wow. Yeah, you've got to go. Your parents will have to take you. Or you're eight. You already have your driver's license. You can just go anytime you want. Just go in and tell your mom and dad, hey, can I have the car keys? I'm going to drive. Me and Maggie are going to drive to Utah to go to a museum. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. And then look at your dad and go, by the way, I've got the credit cards. Everything's cool. (laughs) She does not. She only has a gift card. She does not have a car. Uh, You have a gift card. Well, that's the same thing as a driver's license, isn't it? No, it isn't. Well, nobody tells me anything. I see. I don't know what's going on around here. All right. Well, listen, you guys. I hope. I hope that you guys enjoyed this. It was so much fun talking to you. And again, this is Bridget, the eight-year-old Tyrannosaurus Rex member of uh, the uh, Patreon Club, and her wonderful sister Maggie and mom and dad who got to stop by. Say goodbye to everybody, girls. Now you can bring Dinosaur George into your classroom, home, or facility anywhere in the world with our virtual lessons. We offer over 15 different topics, including dinosaurs, prehistoric mammals, rocks and minerals, and more. Any age, any location, and any time zone. Visit us at DinosaurGeorge.com. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, my friends. The questions I'm going to answer today were all submitted through the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. If you would like to become a member of that group, it's completely free for everyone. So you can go to Facebook and look for the Dinosaur George Kids group and become a a follower, a member of that. And you can send me questions as well. So all of the questions I'm answering today, we took direct from, uh, from there. So this first question comes from Wyatt, who is five years old and lives in Ontario, Canada. Wyatt says, do any dinosaurs not have tails? What an interesting question, Wyatt. What a very interesting question. Okay, I I read your question and I could not think of a single dinosaur that doesn't have a tail. I couldn't think of a single one. Some have shorter tails than others but they still have tails. So I sat there and I thought, was there a, can I think of any dinosaur that doesn't have a tail? And I do not, I cannot think of one. I think every single terrestrial dinosaur had tails. So what about birds? Birds are dinosaurs. So I thought about birds. 
which we call avian dinosaurs. Were there any avian dinosaurs that don't have a tail? And again, I couldn't think of a single one. Maybe a kiwi. Maybe a kiwi bird does not have a tail. But every other modern bird I could think of, I think they had tails. Even the, uh, the terror birds had some sort of tail. They weren't very long, but they had a tail. So, Wyatt, the answer to your question, in my opinion, is I, I cannot think of a living or extinct dinosaur that did not have a tail. That's really cool. And, you know, um, I grew up on a farm and I can tell you, you know, people say, well, what about ducks? If you take away the feathers, they don't have a tail. Yes, they do. It's a little stumpy tail, but they've got a tail. So, yeah, I cannot think of a single one. If I'm wrong, forgive me, Wyatt, but I don't believe there is one. An interesting question. All right. Um, Midhad, age five from Germany. Hey, so glad that you guys uh, are joining me from Germany. And I hope, Midhad, that I've pronounced your name correctly. Um, I I hope I didn't mispronounce it. If I did mispronounce it, please forgive me. Um, So Midhad is age five and he's from Germany. And his question is... Um, did Herrerasaurus hunt in packs? And then says, thank you very much for the podcast. What a polite thing. So glad that you've got good manners. That's, I'm very proud of you. So did Herrerasaurus hunt in packs? I believe they did. You see, Herrerasaurus lived in the early or the late Triassic period. So it's a very early dinosaur. Dinosaurs were just starting to spread across the world. And they needed every trick in the book to take advantage and start to expand. And so being a top predator would have given it more chances of success. And any predator that hunts in a group, and we, all, we call a group of predators a pack. A group of plant eaters we call a herd. So a pack and a herd. Now there's other Uh, better names for individual groups, like a group of lions is called a pride and that kind of thing. But we always talk about pack hunting versus herd. So in the case of Herrerasaurus, I believe that it hunted in a pack. And the reason I believe that is because any animal that hunts with others of its kind are always going to be more successful than if they're hunting by themselves. Because if you're hunting by yourself, you really only have two ways of catching prey, hiding and surprising them or just chasing them down. Neither one of those work really well because if you're hiding, waiting for somebody to walk by, you could hide all day in one spot. It doesn't mean a dinosaur is going to happen to walk by you. And you can certainly try to chase them down, but if they see you coming, they're going to take off running. They're not going to stand still and wait for you. So it makes it less likely that you make a kill. But if you're hunting in a pack, even with just one other group member, it makes you way more successful because now you can do different things. For instance, oh, you can hide and wait for one to walk by. But if you have a buddy who's chasing the prey towards where you're hiding, they're going to run right by you. And they're going to be looking over their shoulder at who's chasing them and not paying attention to who's waiting in the bush in front of them. So you have that way to attack. You have another way to attack, which is, is distraction. You walk out 
and you make yourself seen so everybody in the herd turns to look at you. They're not paying attention to who's sneaking up behind them, which is your buddy or buddies. So in my opinion, Midhad, I do believe that Herrerasaurus would have hunted in a pack because it would have made it more successful. And that's one of the things that I think helped dinosaurs take over. Reptiles don't think that way. You don't see crocodiles don't hunt in a pack. They can certainly live in the same area and they can take advantage of the same food source, but they don't work together to figure out ways to distract or set up ambushes. They don't do that. Snakes don't hunt in a pack. Lizards don't. Why did dinosaurs become so incredibly successful? It's because they did things differently. And in my opinion, pack hunting would have been something that they would have done, including Herrerasaurus. What a great question. I hope everyone in Germany has a great, safe, and successful new year. So happy new year to you and all of your family. Finally, my friend William has a question. Again, this was taken from um, from the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. William says, was there winter when T-Rex lived? If there was no plants for the herbivores they eat, how would T-Rex find food? What an interesting question, William. Okay, I firmly believe that there were seasonal changes during the Mesozoic. Maybe they weren't as dramatic as today. Maybe winter for the southern parts of the country were, uh, maybe winter lasted a couple of days. But I firmly believe that there were seasonal changes. And even if there was a cold front, even if it was a mild winter, it still may have involved snow. So, William's question is, okay, so if all the plants die in the winter, what do the plant eaters eat? And if there's no food for them... What does a T-Rex eat? Well, here's one of the things to keep in mind, William. There are different seasonal plants. You can have one area that grows different plants during different seasons because the plants prefer different seasons. Here in Texas, here in San Antonio, um, in my yard, I can see that my summer grasses are turning brown and disappearing. And now I have new plants emerging that weren't there during the summer. Because they like the cold weather. And so there was always going to be food for these animals to eat. And especially if the winters are mild, it may only be, you know, weeks, maybe not several months. It could be only a few weeks that things got cold. But I do believe it did. Now, here's one of the problems with weather. The fossil record doesn't tell us the weather. The fossil record can give us information about a big environmental change, but I can't look at fossils and say, oh, you see this? This means that on one day it snowed because that's just not, and that doesn't last. Think about today. Everybody who's listening to this podcast, look out a window, look outside. Whatever is happening right now will not instantly become fossilized. So nobody knows if the day that you're listening to this podcast, if it was freezing cold or if it was hot. Nobody in the future will know, except for, of course, records, but they're not going to see it in the fossil evidence because nothing dramatically changes in a fossil on a day. Fossils are created over a very, very long time. And evidence of an environmental change has to be dramatic to be able to see it. Let me give you an example. Let's say I find a layer of fossilized ferns. Ferns like cold weather. They like wet weather. 
So I'm finding ferns, ferns, ferns. And then on a layer above that, I only find fossilized cactus. Well, hey, that clearly means something dramatic happened. But that's not the difference between winter and summer. That's the difference between a dramatic, long-lasting global change throughout the world. So, we don't find easy, clear evidence of winter times because they needed to be prolonged. Now, when you go to places like Alaska and you look at the fossil record there and the fossil record in Antarctica, there's clearly evidence of extended periods of darkness. That's different because that's a very dramatic long-term event, months of that. But if you found a dinosaur bone, let's use my state of Texas, when I uncovered, I can't say, oh, it died in the winter. It died in the summer. It died on a Thursday. It died at night or it died a day because those things aren't there. So in my opinion, William, I do clearly believe that the Mesozoic, especially the Cretaceous, had seasons. I just don't know how dramatic they were. And I don't think that they really change much because we don't see in the fossil record animals leaving a given area for an extended time and then coming back months and months and months later. So I believe they had weather. I just don't think it was as dramatic as the environmental changes we see today. All right. Time for everyone's favorite. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, these, I've, I've chosen two. I've chosen two because these are really, really cool. This first comes from my little buddy, Ethan, who is a Patreon club member. Ethan says, who would win in a fight between Castoroides and Holmacena? Castoroides is the giant beaver. Holmacena was a giant armadillo. They both lived in the Cenozoic, so this is a Cenozoic battle. What a, let's see. Castoroides, of course, has those incredibly long teeth, just like a modern beaver. Only this beaver was six feet tall. Now, those teeth were huge, so they definitely could have had an impact. But Holmacena is a giant armadillo with body armor. I think those teeth of Castoroides would have just glanced right off. I don't think it ever would have been able. Think about this. Think about if you were holding a bowling ball and you tried to take a bite out of it. Could you do it? No, because there's nothing to grab onto. Your teeth can't go into it because the curvature of the ball makes them simply slide off. So if these two animals were to try to fight to the death, and let's say they did because they were, I don't know, they're fighting over uh, territory. Who knows? But plant-eating animals fight with each other all the time. Castoroides is an herbivore. Homocene is an herbivore. But plant-eating animals fight with each other all the time. It's, na- it's nature. It's what happens. So in this particular battle, I don't think Castoroides ever would have been able to penetrate the body armor. 
Now, if it could knock Homacena over and get to its soft stomach, I think that's possible. But Homacena's center of gravity is is center of its body and very low, meaning it's going to take a tremendous amount to knock the animal over. But Homacena's got two enormous claws on its front feet that it uses for excavation. Those would have been very effective weapons. So, Ethan, in my opinion, if these two animals were to meet and fight, I believe Homacena would win by inflicting incredible damage with those enormously long claws on its front feet. Castroides could certainly do some damage if he could ever flip it over. I just don't think he could. So, there's your answer, Ethan. In my opinion, Homacena, the giant armadillo, would be the victor. And this next one comes from Emilio Raptor. What a great name. Emilio is one of my very best buddies. I've known Emilio for a long time. He is one of the best. He comes to work for me sometimes. So Emilio actually comes out and works with me. So, and Emilio, I've got to get him into the studio to, to do an interview with Emilio. So anyway, Emilio writes and says, who would win? Woolly Mammoth or Smilodon? Woo. Another Cenozoic battle. Oh, what a good one. And this one is the classic battle. The giant woolly mammoth or Smilodon? Well, let's size up the woolly mammoth first. It's got power. It's got weight. It's got unbelievable strength. It's got two tusks that could have been used very effectively. It's got enormous feet that it could crush its opponent. This thing in the battle is going to be the brute. It's just relying on brute strength. Now let's look at Smilodon. Massively long canine teeth. Razor-sharp claws on all four feet. Fast, agile, quick, mobile. This thing just, it could sidestep every attack that the woolly mammoth would try. Smilodon would have the ability to come in at a top speed, launch itself onto the side of the mammoth, and if it can crawl up onto the mammoth's back, there's not a lot it could do. Certainly, it would use its, its trunk. And if the mammoth was capable of grabbing Smilodon with the trunk, it would slam it to the ground and then step on it or crush it with its, with its tusks, and that would be a short fight. But Smilodon, I think, is too fast and nimble for that. Even though Smilodon is a heavy-duty cat, I think he's simply too fast for that. So I believe Smilodon would inflict injury after injury after injury until finally it would wear down the woolly mammoth. But the one thing the woolly mammoth has... That I didn't discuss, and that is elephants are referred to as familiar animals, meaning they lived in family groups. And when you live in a family group and when of your when one of your members is being attacked, everybody comes in to help. So if Smilodon is taking on, let's say, a single uh, mammoth that wandered away from the safety of the herd, I believe Smilodon would win. But... If the other member of the herd were anywhere in the vicinity, that would cause doom for Smilodon. All right, my friends, I hope you guys all enjoyed today's uh, podcast. Remember, it is okay to like pretend dinosaurs that you see in movies. It's perfectly fine. I like them very much. So if your favorite dinosaurs are Indominus Rex or Indoraptor, Be proud of that because I think they are super cool. For everybody out there, Happy New Year to you and your families. I hope you are all safe. Remember to be kind to everyone. 
People need a little kindness. The world is such a better place when everyone is nice to each other. I'll see you guys soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.